Guys, would you grab hold of a Bible and open it? We are in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 on Sunday mornings. We're hoping you've been there with us, traveling along with us as we've made our way verse by verse through this book, and we continue that this morning. There we are in 2 Corinthians 5. If you didn't bring a Bible, they are there in front of you. Pages uh, on the screen, so you can grab a Bible right in the chair in front of you, get the page number, get there rapidly. Uh, you can use an electronic device. If you want to follow along in a Bible app, that works. The key is we really do want you to be in the Word of God with us. We want God to just show you what He's saying and what He would do in your life through His Word. And we're hoping that you have it and you're following along and that He would speak to you through His Word this morning in personal and real ways. And so let's do what we do each time. Let's pause and let's ask Him to do that. I'm leading, but I'm hoping you're praying. Let's ask for God to speak to us. Father, you see us right now. And I'm glad I'm glad because you know us, you know what we need. We have your word before us. God, I pray for each and every one of us, everyone here in this room, everyone joining online, everyone in the overflow. I ask that you give us ears to hear, eyes to see what you would say, that we'd see it clearly, that you would surround that with care and, and just that solid work of you in our lives. God, your word is that that can change us, transform us from the inside out. Love that. Love that you do that. So we just ask for it now. Make your word known to us. Make it so that we hear what you're saying to us. Each of us, Lord. We ask that together. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You are going to die. And after you die, there's going to be a judgment. I want to just say this as clear as I can, right off the bat from the beginning. That's exactly what God tells us. He says it is appointed unto man once to die and after the judgment. That's a key understanding. It's a key understanding for our life, and I want to tell you it's true for every single one of you here. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you're going to die, and then you're going to face a judgment. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, you're going to die. And then you're going to face a judgment. In fact, that judgment is what we get laid out to us here this morning. But it's absolutely certain. It's absolutely a part of our life. It's absolutely things that God has for us. And God is inviting you and I to have that right perspective. Hey, if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, this has been our theme, right? I mean, you're kind of like, wow, I thought we already talked about this. Yes, we have. But so like two weeks ago, we talked about approaching death. Where Paul says, hey, we are daily, we're perishing. Our bodies are dying. Uh, our inward man is being renewed, but day by day, we're on this journey heading towards death. And so he called us to have a right perspective of that march as we head towards that moment. And then last week, we talked about that moment. Hey, we're going to die. Uh, there's a, there's a, it, it's a place for us where if we're in, in Jesus, he says, we're going to be absent from the body. And that moment, we're going to be present with him. I mean, there's a moment in time where that reality is going to just shatter everything and gloriously be there. And yet now he takes us forward. So we've looked at kind of approaching death. We've looked at death. And now we want to talk about after that. And there's a judgment. There's a judgment for believers that, that the Bible lays out to us that you probably know about. If not, you need to know about. It's known as the judgment seat of Christ. What sometimes is called the bema, because the word used for judgment in this text is that word bema. Let's read it. You got your Bibles there. There in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, Therefore, we make it our aim, 
whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Hey, pause there. Hey, we gaze into this this morning, and maybe as we approach it, I'm just speaking familiar territory. Maybe I'm telling you what you absolutely already understand, but I'm just going to give it to you as simply as I can. I have found that for many Christians that I talk to, they're not as aware of this as they ought to be. For something that is very, very clear in the Word of God, that is 100% certain, Sometimes we we find ourselves not aware of it or even anticipating it rightly. So certainly this morning, that's what God wants to draw us to, to think through what this thing is, the Bema seat or the judgment seat of Christ. We think about that, and I want to just begin by telling you, hey, that judgment seat, the judgment seat of Christ is for Christians. It's for believers in Jesus. So There are a couple judgments that we know are coming, and one of the judgments is known as the great white throne judgment. This is not that. The judgment seat of Christ is not the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment is for those who who are not followers of Jesus. It's for those who are going to stand before God the Father, and He, as as the Father on that judgment seat, is going to judge all those who don't have a relationship with Him. Now, I pause right there because here's the thing. That's some of you. And maybe in this room, maybe online right now, you're not yet a follower of Jesus. And so this is your certain future right now. That right now, you are, it's appointed unto you to die. And then you're going to stand someday before God the Father. And we know exactly what that judgment looks like because he tells it to us in the book of Revelation. Let me just put it on the screen for us. It says, then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away and there's found no more place for them. So this is the end of time. I mean, this is earth, heaven, it's done. I mean, everything that we know on this side, it's time for that to all go away. There in God's presence, everyone will be. It says, I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God and the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. So everybody here, everybody who's, who's part of that dead, which, again, by the way, isn't us in, in Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's not us. We're alive. Uh, we've been with him. But now all the dead are standing before him. Every person who's ever lived, every person who's ever been a part of it, they're going to stand before him. All the books are going to be opened. And then it says the dead are going to be judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, there's a day coming. You're going to stand before God, and God's going to open up the books, and he's going to t- detail everything you've ever done. And, and I know that. You know, it's kind of a weird space. Some people find themselves thinking they're okay with that. They're like, well, you know, I've never killed anybody, you know. So, you know, certainly as I get there, there's really not going to be anything for, for God to hold against me. But God holds all of it. In fact, Jesus, when he spoke about it, said, I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account for it in the day of judgment. I mean, we're not just talking like, hey, I didn't kill anybody. It's like, we're going to talk about every idle word you spoke. Everything that flowed from your life is going to be held accountable in that day. Solomon, when he would talk about it, said, God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether evil or good. I mean, it's all laid bare in that moment. 
So in that day, everybody who doesn't know Jesus, their works, they're going to be judged according to their works. Then he says, anyone who's not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The book of life, Jesus' book of life, the Lamb's book of life, those who have their lives in him, anybody not in that is going to be cast into the lake of fire, otherwise known as hell. So I know this probably makes sense, but I want to make sure that I don't lose anybody in this moment. Jesus is not sending anybody to hell. It's their sin. Uh, on that day, it's not that Jesus is, is sending them. It, what's going to be very, very clear on that day is their guilt. Uh, that all that they've done, all they've said, it's going to pile in upon them. And then their names aren't written in the book. The only thing that could have blotted out all of those things, the only thing that could have removed that, but it's their guilt that is sending them to hell. In fact, Jesus said this where in John 3. He says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Hey, this is John 3, 17. Most of you know John 3, 16, right? God so loved the world. Send his only begotten Son. Whoever would believe in him, you wouldn't perish. But he said he didn't send his, world, his son to condemn the world. He sent his son, he says, he who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe, you're already condemned. It's not that he is condemning. You're, you're, you're condemned by your sin. You're condemned by your sin. And on that day, that judgment is yours. If you don't know Jesus, you're going to stand there. And on that day, it's a sentencing. It's a sentencing to hell. It's a sentence to hell for sin, and I want to tell you that's a terrifying moment, but it's a certain moment. For everybody that doesn't know Jesus, that's the future. That's the future, and if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus, that's your future, and we're pleading right now with you, don't be there. Don't, you, you don't want to stand in that day and give an account for yourself that your name could still be written in the book of life today, that we'd long that you would come to know Jesus and that your sin, all of it would be obliterated so that on that day you would not be found accountable and heading towards that judgment. We plead for that. I mean, like, because we don't want you to stand there. So if that's you this morning, you don't know Jesus, please today hear our voice and, 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 and turn to Christ. But let's leave them into God's care and say, hey, well, if you're a follower of Jesus, and you've believed upon him, and you have eternal life, you're not going to stand in that great white throne judgment. It, it's, a, it's for the dead. It's for those who are going to be judged by their works. That's not where you are in that space, but let's also be clear. There is a judgment for us. There is a judgment seat for us. This is the judgment seat of Christ where every Christian is going to stand. Hey, just notice it again so you see it. Verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Wow. Hey, that's us. That's all of us here this morning. And if we know Jesus, that's us that we're going to be there. Hey, we're all going to go there. I just want you to think about that for a moment. I just want to tell you, you're going to stand there. Like there's a day coming that, that you're going to be there. And I pause again to say something that kind of is maybe the main thing I feel in my heart to say. Are you aware of this? Do you find yourself being moved by it or, or in any way affecting the way that you live? And if not, why not? I mean, if I were to place into your hand a letter from the IRS that was saying, hey, you're going to be audited in, in 2024, I just want to tell you, for many of you, it would be like, okay, like, you know, my life is going to be geared around this thing now. Like, I'm going to have to give an account. If 
you were in school right now and you were heading towards final exams that were going to determine just the outcome of where you're going, I just want to tell you, for you, you would be like, okay, like that's coming. Like I need to get ready for that. If you're in a, in a job and you were heading towards a review that was going to be determinative of the future of your career, you would take it seriously. Well, how much more so? I mean, this is so much bigger than that. How much more so for us in Christ? We ought to say, okay, there, I'm going to stand before Jesus. And I'm going to give him an account. I'm going to give an account. And, and that reality should be something that you're aware of. I don't want anybody here to be, uns- to, to be surprised by that. And so that's coming. Well, we think about that, and maybe one of the key things that you need to understand about this coming judgment is it a place where he is going to reward, not condemn. This is good news. Make sure it just lands. Hey, there is no condemnation for us who are in Christ. There is no condemnation. When Jesus died on the cross for your sin, he died on the cross for your sin, and he paid for all of it, all of it, by one sacrifice forever. He has made a way so that your sin is no longer that. When we think about the judgment seat of Christ, that's not what's going to be taken care of, because it's already taken care of. Now, this is great news. <laughs> I mean, let's just go hands down like this is the bigger news. I mean, if all we had for this, and we didn't even have to think about this other part, we'd be like, I'm, if I get to go to heaven, like, that's all I really need. I mean, like, it's like, okay, Jesus died for me. And this is the gospel. This is what it does. And, 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 and rightly so, it is so often the big focus of both our worship and prayers and should be. Because Jesus paid for that. There's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. It's all been taken care of. That there's never going to be a space where you're going to stand and be condemned for your sin. Jesus would say it this way. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death into life. He says, if this is you, if you would believe me, you'll never enter into that. Now, not to get too technical, uh, some of you are like, well, wait a second, you just said we're going to get into judgment. It's a very different word. Uh, this is the word krino. Uh, in, in the Greek, it speaks of that judicial judgment. Ours is a bema seat. It's a different word for judgment. It's an entirely different thing. And so we still have that, but we'll never be held accountable again for our sin. That's just really, really, really good news. I mean, we just hands down ought to kind of be able to celebrate that and see that and say, okay, I'm glad. That's not what I'm expecting. I'm not looking forward to this uh, in that sense that I'm going to deal with my sin. But this judgment seat of Christ that you're going to stand before as a follower of Jesus, that's a place where where Jesus rewards Christians. That's a space where he brings us into that place where he does that. In fact, the word, again, I've already kind of highlighted it, but I'll just say it again for judgment that's found there in verse 5. It is the word bima, not krino, which is speaks of a judicial judgment. It's a word for bema. Now, it can be used in a lot of places, and so it's found even in other kind of places where you speak of authority and in places throughout that. But one of the spaces that it's used is like a judge that would be used at, at the Olympic Games. And so you would have a judge who, whose goal is not to, you know, you know, sentence somebody to hell. It's, I want to reward you. I want to say, I want to I look upon what you are. I want to look upon what's there. And, and I want to note what's good. I want to speak that. There's a little bit of what takes place in that. Jesus said that the Son of Man 
will come in glory of his Father with his angels, and he's going to reward each according to his works. That in that space, there's a place where what we've done is going to be rewarded, and what we've done uh, is going to be there, and he's going to give eternal rewards. Now, I could spend a bunch of time on this, but I'm going to try to just say this quickly. You absolutely want this. You absolutely want this. It's a weird thing, and I, and I understand why. Part of it is because of our sinfulness, and, and part of it is because the way pride and competition works in our world, that sometimes as Christians, you know, when we even think about this, it's almost just universal. I'll talk to somebody, they're like, man, I don't even know if I want them. Like, I don't need them. As, as long as I'm in heaven, I don't really care, you know. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't even know what rewards are. I mean, how do rewards work in heaven? I mean, how does that even, you know, look like? I mean, I don't know if I need, I, I just want to say, if God wants to give it to you, you want it. If God is offering this to you, you want it. If I could offer you stock in Apple or Walmart from like 40 years ago, you want it. Like, you would be like, hands down, like, yes, like, I'd be a millionaire. I mean, this is bigger than that. Like, there shouldn't be any part of you like, I don't even know if I'm really interested. You know, that doesn't really, not really. No, it should. You're like, okay, wait. If he's offering to give me rewards and, and wants to do that, then I would say I'd want that. I don't know how that's going to work out eternally. I don't know how all that plays out. Lots of interesting thoughts, but I absolutely want it. But those rewards are based on your good works in him, in, in him, that what he has done in us, that there's uh, things that are there. And it's worth just quickly pausing and saying that because we don't have any other good works that will be rewarded. Uh, Jesus said, you know, that if you abide in him, you can bear good fruit. Without him, you said you can't do nothing, anything. So anything that we do on our own strength, anything we've done in our own power, that's not a good work. That's not going to survive the testing of that day. But the only things that are going to be survived are those things that Jesus has done in us. And, and through an abiding relationship in Christ, we're going to have that. And then what those things are, are going to be rewarded. I mean, that's an amazing reality, and I, and I think about even trying to process that through and maybe uh, helpful, but I like that in the book of 1 Corinthians that he wrote to this church before, he talked about it in another way that just works really, really well for me. I just want to just draw your attention to it. I'll put it on the screen. Now, you obviously could even flip a few pages back if you wanted to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul says it this way. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but then God gave the increase. So that it is neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, but it is God who gives the increase. So he's thinking of the things that God had done in the church of Corinth, and, and pa Apollos is another man that had an influence into that church. Paul has an influence. He says, you know, I did something, pa you know, Apollos did something, but you know what? If, if it was real, it was God. If it was real, God did it. Uh, he's the, I mean, he, he works through it, but he's the one that supplies that. He's the only one that works that. He goes on to say, now, he who plants and he who waters are one, saying it in a different way. Hey, we're on the same team. <laughs> we're serving Jesus. Like, that's really all that matters. But each one will receive his own reward according to his labor. Everyone. Paul's going to get his. Apollos is going to gain his. He says that God is going to reward each one of us according to what we've done. No other foundation, he says, can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ, which is another way of just saying what we said a moment ago. Anything not done in Christ won't be there. Anything done in our flesh doesn't last. Anything that Jesus didn't do in us, it's not going to stand. Only what he's done in us will be in that day. But then he pictures it. He says, now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. 
So he pictures this as if we have this foundation of Christ, and then all our good works are pictured as either these precious gold, silver, you know, uh, precious stones, or wood, hay, and straw. He says all of it's kind of laid there, and then on that day, it's going to declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. So it's as if on that day, there's this purging of uh, fire, and anything that wasn't really good, wasn't of him, wasn't what he did, it's gone. It's decimated. It's just gone. It's just evaporated by fire. I mean, so that all of that junk is gone. He says, then if anyone's work, which he has built on, endures, then you're going to be rewarded. You know, if on that day, it's as if when, when, when all of it's purged away, then those things that Christ has done in us, those things that we are, if, they la- if they're still standing on that day, then that's going to be what Jesus rewards. That's going to be what he, you know, speaks into that moment and, and, and brings that space for our lives. There are going to be some that he says in the next verse, he says, if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Hey, there's no sense that we're going to say this, that this is something you want to aim for, but let's also be honest. It's probably going to happen for some. I hope nobody here. They're going to get there, and their soul is saved. They've believed upon Jesus. They've loved, they, they, got, they got saved. The grace, the beautiful grace of Christ saved them, and then they wasted their life. They wasted their life living for their own selfish ends. They, they never really stepped into what God has for them. And on that day, it's kind of like, poof, like everything, their whole life, it's like, okay, wow, there's like nothing there. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't have anything that I, you know, and he says, they're still saved. I mean, it, we're, we're not talking about, you know, that God's going to be like, okay, wow, never mind. You know, you know, fast track to hell. You know, no, it's like you're still in. You just wasted your life. You just wasted your life. I mean, so we're not talking about salvation. We are talking about reward, and it's important that we distinguish the difference. That said, nobody wants to be this person. Nobody's like, oh, really? So I could get to heaven and not have, that sounds great. Let's do that. Nobody would, you don't want this. Like, you want on that day to have something that's there. You long for on that day that that would be there. And I want to just tell you, 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 there is that sense of saying, hey, I, I want to see that. I want, I want to see all that that is. I, I long for that because on that day, that's what's going to be being dealt with. That's what's going to be de- being dealt with. Now, there's a whole lot of things I don't know. Again, maybe you have, all, you know, have questions that you'd be asking right now, and I'm just going to admit to you, I don't know a lot of it. Uh, I don't know when this is going to happen. I don't know if it happens the instant you die. I don't know if it's a later time in eternity. I don't know if it's going to be a public thing, like we're all going to be there. Some have tried to picture the Bema seat and saw it like, you know, some Olympic games, and we're all there, and we're all just going to be present, maybe. I don't know if this is a private interview uh, between you and Jesus. I don't know. I just know it's coming. I don't know if it'll last a moment, if it'll be just instantaneous, or if it's going to take a long time, that God's going to spend some special time with you looking over your life with you, looking over those things that he can reward you for, finding those things that he can, I don't know. I just know it's going to happen. And, and there's an ex- expectation of, of that reality that should land across us. Now, I'm thinking about that, and I want to just try to say it another way, and maybe this is for only one person, so just quickly track with me. It's a thing that I want you to think about it this way, because we're talking about good works, and I have found that for many Christians, 
They just can't get their head right around this. They just can't get their head right around what we do good, whether that's, hey, reading our Bible, praying, serving in the children's ministry, kind of having a right perspective of that. So can I tell you four quick things that kind of just tie into this that maybe would help somebody? Hey, your good works will never save you. Hey, if you're, if you're here this morning and you're trying and you're thinking, hey, I came to church on Sunday morning, put another star on my thing, you know, I'm kind of hoping by the end of the day that, you know, I'll have enough good things that God's going to say, okay, you're in. If that's how you're living your life, and many people do, you are foolish. God tells us everything we do is tainted. That is not going to work out for you. If you think that you're trying to be a good person is going to save you, it will never save you. There's only one thing that can save you, and that's Jesus. And that's the gospel that would rescue your soul. Your good works can't save you, but neither can your good works keep you saved. Hey, for some Christians, they understand the gospel brings them in the door, but they kind of have the understanding, well, I got to keep this thing up, you know, like, I got to keep going, because if I, like, drop the ball, like, he's going to kick me out, you know, like, I may have gotten saved, but I'm here at church this morning just to kind of keep it going, because I'm a little bit afraid that if I'm not a good person, that he's going to change his mind and somehow turn me away, and bunches of Christians, whether they process it through that way or not, live their life that way live their life as if their whole reason for going to church, reading their Bible, praying, serving, is somehow just to kind of keep the deal, like seal the deal so that he doesn't change his mind about us. And, and that's, a, that's, a, that's a world of hurt. That's a weight of condemnation that you do not need. And it's not true. He saved you. If you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're, it's the gospel. It's Christ. There's no other boast. There's not any other thing that would ever bring you to a place of saying, I deserve to be in heaven. But Jesus, he's the only way. I mean, oh, but God. You know, I mean, that's the only thing that you get to, to look upon, his merit that brings you into that. That said, it's not that our works are unimportant. See, some people would look at the gospel and they would say what Paul would say in Romans, or somebody looks at this, he says, so you're saying... Hey, we could just live any way we want. Might as well just, I mean, the gospel is the gospel. It doesn't really matter how we live. That's not true. Your works are going to come into an account. It's not determining your salvation, but it is determining rewards in your life. It is saying, hey, there's a space that what you're doing matters. What you're doing and how you live your life matters, not only for your enjoyment, not only for God's pleasure, not only for the impact, but there is an eternal accounting for this. Not for your salvation, but yes, for your rewards. And nothing on that day will be rewarded but what Christ has done in you. Only what is done in Christ will last. So there ought to be a sense that we think, like, I want more of that. <laughs> like, I want to, you know, I want to be about what he has for me. I want to live the life that he has for me. And I just want to tell you, hands down, that would be a good, balanced perspective on why we do what we do. I'm not trying to earn God's favor. I'm not trying to keep his favor. I just want to, I want to live a life that, that's worthy. I want to please him. I want to be in that day. I want, I'm aiming for things eternal. That's a good thing. That's a, that's a right perspective and focus and knowing, hey, I'll never have any of it except outside of Christ. That's a right perspective that he would invite us to because that's what's happening. So this is coming. I mean, this is absolutely coming. And so again, he just tells us, I want to read it there in verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. I feel like in some ways I'm saying the same thing in like three or four different ways, and I apologize where it's going to come across repetitiously, but where it needs to let it come across. I just want to make sure you understand it. 
you are going to stand before Jesus if you're a follower of him. You're going to stand before him, and that moment we're talking right now is a judgment moment. It's a moment where he's going to give an accounting of your life, where he's going to be looking over your life, where he's going to be doing that. And there's a moment for us to see that it's Christ. I mean, it's him who's going to be judging us, and and we ought to totally be expecting it. Maybe you are. Again, maybe you are, and that's great. I just want to make sure, because I I mean, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know, again, if it's all going to happen the moment we die or if there's going to be moments in time. But I have this little goofy picture that is, totally not true, but I just have a goofy picture on my mind that, you know, we're waiting in line to take our turn. Like, we're in the hallway, and like, we're next. I just don't want any one of you there being like, Jim, you never told me this was going to happen. Like, what, 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 what's, a, what is, what's, a, what's going on here? I kind of thought, you know, I was going to be sitting on a cloud with a harp or something. You know, I didn't know, what's this? I just want to make sure, no, you, like, you, I'm hoping if we're there that day, you're like, Jim, you told us this was coming. I mean, I knew this was coming. I I knew there was a day that there's going to be a place where I'm going to be there and I'm going to stand before Jesus for a moment of accounting. So if that's how we do that, if that's what's coming, how should you see that? Well, he gives us not only the reality of this, but at least two, maybe three things that would be our kind of response to this or how we would look at it, and it's worth us just understanding. Notice how he began it in verse 9. He says, therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent. Quick pause. Present, absent, that's what he just talked about. He had just talked about it back in verse 8. He says, we're confident, well-pleased, rather to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. He says, hey, we're looking forward to it. We're going to die. But for me, in Christ, that moment I die, I'm going to be in God's presence. I'm going to be absent from this body. I'm going to be present with him. He says, because that's true, he says, we're making it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. Hey, the simple thing is if this gets our heart right, what we're longing for on that day and in this day is to honor and please him. That today, like today we're saying, okay, in our body, I'd like God to look down and say, Jim, good. <laughs> I want to live for his pleasure today, but on that day, that I'm standing before Christ, I'm aiming for that. Now, I know it's been said before in different ways, but aiming's important. Having a target is important. Aim for nothing, you're bound to hit it, right? You know, kind of deal. Um, You should be like, okay, I'm going to stand before Jesus, and I would really like on that day to be pleasing to him. I'm aiming for it. I'm aiming so that on that day, when my life is evaluated, I, I, I'm longing to hear those words, right? I mean, Jesus kind of spoke about them a couple times, that he would say, hey, we want to hear from him, well done, good and faithful servant. Like, that's what I'm wanting to hear. I'm wanting him to look at my life, and I'm wanting him to say, well done, like, well done for, for, for those things that you did. Well, I mean, that's what we're longing for, and it's his perspective in our life that should change everything. Some of you are reading through us, uh, the, the book of Chronicles with us right now. You're getting to see all the different kings and all the different places, good, bad, hard in some spaces. But one of the interesting things about reading Chronicles is the overarching perspective that it almost gives to each one, right? Some of you have kind of caught it. So you'd get, begin it, you'd see like in chapter 14 when it speaks about Asa and it said, he did what was good 
and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. Then it would speak about Ahaziah. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And you, one of the things you kind of begin to kind of feel like, that's really like the main thing. I mean, that's the determinative, you know, okay, what did God think about them? What, what was their life in God's sight? That's really, if it was either good in God's sight or it was evil in God's sight, and that's really what matters. That's really what matters. It doesn't really matter what people think about it. It doesn't matter what we think about it. It really matters what God says. In fact, Paul would say it this way. So we just read that one in 1 Corinthians 3 that talked about, you know, the fire purging our life and only what's left is going to be rewarded. Then in the next chapter, he says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, but with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I know nothing against myself, and I'm not justified by this. He who judges me is the Lord. Hey, there's a mouthful in it, but let me just give it to you quickly. Paul's saying, you know what? It doesn't really matter what you think about me, and I don't even aim for that. I'm not aiming for you to like me because that's, that's a world of hurt. You know, try to please people, and it's a scary world. He says, but I'm not even trying to please myself. I mean, because that's not going to, you know, I can't even rightly account for my life. I mean, Paul's able to say, I'm not, I'm not aware of anything, but that doesn't mean anything. And I could say it this way. Hey, that's probably true for some of you. Hey, when we try to give an accounting of our own life, I have found we either are too hard on ourselves or too soft on ourselves. <laughs> we just, you know, but it's not really up to us to give an accounting of our life. Paul says, I can't even determine it. Like, I don't even know me. I'm not even sure I really know how this whole thing is going to be coming out. He says, therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will bring both to light the hidden things of darkness, and he's going to reveal the counsels of the heart. He says, you know, we, we, we don't even know, you know, you know, all that's good and all that's bad. I mean, what was our motive? I mean, we might be, well, like I taught a Sunday school class, but did I do it for pride or selfish ambition? I don't know. I mean, God knows these things. But on that day when they're all brought to account, well, hear me again. The point of it is that God's going to be able to praise that which was good. See, again, I'm, I'm saying all this, and I know that I'm saying it, but still a few of you aren't hearing me. A, a few of you are like, oh, no. Oh, no. He's going to, talk, he's going to bring all my brokenness to light. He's going to bring all my junk you know, into the moment. He is not. That's not his point. It, it's not that at all. It's gone. He's just looking for that which he can say, well done. So let's just, let's just leave your whole life for a moment. Let's just talk about yesterday. What if yesterday you were just to give an account for right now? Here's how it worked. You know what? All the stuff that you did yesterday that was selfish, self-centered, it's gone. It's erased. It's been forgiven. It will be burned up. It's not going to last. But the question is right now, was there anything? <laughs> was there something that I did for him and in him and by him? Was there, was, there, was there moments that I prayed or loved or shared the gospel or did something that God would be able to say, hey, well done. Like, you did that well. That's what we were wanting. And that's the only thing that's going to matter at this moment. The rest is gone. I mean, the rest is gone. You are, that, that's not going to be the weight of it. It's not that sin is unimportant in our world. It is. It brings, you know, hurt, pain into others. But in this moment, he is looking for that which he can speak honor and reward to. That we want to hear at that moment what Jesus would say. You know, he said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Hey, there's a bunch of things there. I'll just quickly toss it. Our faithfulness here is opening up for us doors there. How does that work? I don't know. I just know that it's, you know, part of the reward is ability to still serve him there. 
He says, okay, you were faithful because of that. You know, because you were faithful, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take that and, and, and allow you into spaces that that's going to be in heaven. It's going to be joy. It's going to be absolute joy. So we're aiming for that. So I just want to speak it again, and maybe it's already there. Maybe it's already there, but I'm just telling you, you should be aiming for that. You should be thinking, you know what? I, I really want to please Jesus. I'm going to stand before him one day, and I would love to hear well done. That, that, that you know, his approval of me, it means more than if everybody in the world approved me. His approval of me means more than what I think about me. I want to know what he thinks. I, and I want to aim for that. I would like more of that. I would like to please him. That's what Paul's saying. He says, I know it's coming, and I'm longing for on that day it would be a, a moment where I would please him. So part of this is this place where we're aiming for it, that we're absolutely aiming for it. But let me just say it one more time. You absolutely need to expect this judgment. I mean, there shouldn't be, again, this, I mean, I've done it, this, I've, we've talked about this before, but man, we're talking about it right now. There shouldn't be anybody that's like, I didn't know this was going to happen. I didn't, I did, I, I kind of thought, I don't know, you know, I didn't realize that, that I was, that this was going to be a part of what my future is, but it is. You should expect this. I think about what John would say in 2 John. He says, look to yourselves, did we not lose those things that we worked for that we, we have a full reward? He says, you should be expecting this. And so in one sense, you're like, man, I don't want to have, I don't want to have Satan steal those things that I want to honor Christ with in that moment. I, I mean, I, I'm kind of looking at my life and I'm expecting that moment. And so I'm kind of like zealously and jealously saying, God, I don't want to, I don't want to miss living for you. Think about it this way. Jesus said, Whoever gives one of these little ones a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, surely I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. This gives us another little quick minute as we're thinking about the expectation of that moment. Again, for some of us, we're just, again, we thinking like, hey, I didn't kill anybody, you know, and so it's probably just going to be, you know, kind of thumbs up, thumbs down. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know if it'll happen in a moment. I don't know if God will take 100 years to sit down, because he's got all eternity, and, and sit down with you and look over your life, and then just say, well done for that. Well done for that. And he says, if you, if you just gave a cup of cold water in my name, I mean, it seemed like the smallest of things, but you did it for me. He says, I want to reward that. I'm going I'm to be able to come to you and say, well done. You, 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 you loved somebody, you cared for somebody, you, you, you walked in that, and he is wanting to walk you in that space and that's going to be there. And that's a place where we get to look at this and say, okay, well, I, I, I'm expecting that. I'm expecting that moment where, where, where I know, hey, these things matter. I mean, these things, what I am, how I live my life, they matter to him. And, and he says, hey, there's not anything that I'm not going to take time with you. And not one thing that you do for me, Jesus says, that we're not going to sit down and, and I want to be able to say, well done. Thank you for that. Like, and, and again, we, we'd be able to honestly say if we have that, we'll be like, well, Jesus, I didn't, the only way I did it is because you did it in me. Like I didn't, you know, I've never done anything good that you didn't do in me. And he's going to be like, I know, but we did it together. Like you, we did this, you know, and, and, and this is honorable and this is rewarding and this is glorious. And that's a good space that we so desperately want it to be a part of our lives. That we're thinking through that moment and, and it should be there. 
So you know it, right? I mean, so we, we've talked about it. You should expect this judgment. And I'm hoping you would say, okay, if I haven't been aiming for that, I should, like, start aiming for that. I mean, I should be like, okay, that's coming. And I, and, and I want to do that well. See, again, I'm thinking about just my, my goofy analogy a moment ago. If I gave you an IRS letter that said you're going to be audited, you'd be aiming for that. It's like, I want to I I do that well. If you had a, you know, heading towards a final exam for a class, you'd be like, I, I'd like to do well on that test. If you're heading into an inter, you know, kind of a evaluation in your company, you'd be thinking, okay, I'm hoping that's going to go well. It should be something you're aiming for, and you ought to absolutely be aiming for it. It ought to be a positive pursuit, a, a knowledgeable pursuit. But there is another element that Paul says it works for him. Let's go back and read it. It says in verse 9, he says, Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Verse 11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I trust we are well known into your consciences. Hey, we want to just take the first half of that verse because he's going to begin to say, hey, this is why we do what we do. Like, this is why we do ministry, and, and then he's going to talk about their uh, ability to perceive that, and that's really going to be what we'll talk about next time. But it's worth just noticing right now, he says, hey, we know the terror of the Lord, or the fear of God, some translations say, and it's a good translation to kind of just say that. And it is scary. I mean, if, if it doesn't scare you, I have not done a good job. I mean, if you're not like, wait, that, that, that's a little bit terrifying. Now, I'm not, I'm not afraid of hell. I'm not afraid of judgment, and neither should you be. There is no sense that you ought to be like, oh, no. He's going to look at me and go, how did you get in here? Out. You know, I mean, this is not how it's going to happen at that moment. I mean, that, that moment, that judgment seat of Christ, it's not a moment of terror in the sense of hell or punishment. But it is a place where my life is going to be evaluated. It is a place where all the wood and stubble is going to be burned away, and there's a good and godly fear that's found there. I don't know if you have it. I'm just going to be honest. I do. Like, this scares me. Like, in a good way. I mean, please understand, I want it. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm actually really, really excited it's going to happen. I mean, I'm, I mean he, I'm, I'm so glad he's going to burn away from my life everything that is carnal and selfish and anything I ever have done from selfish ambition or pride, I'm like, let's get rid of that now. Like, I just, I'm excited that the wood, hay, and stubble is going to be gone. But honestly, I mean, I don't even know my own life. I don't even know my heart. I mean, it terrifies me a little bit because I'm like, I wonder how much is going to be left. You know, like, I wonder, I wonder when it's burned. I mean, I wonder in that moment, you know, it, you know what's going to be left. And that's just not a bad feeling. I, I mean, Paul says it. He says, hey, you know, this, there's, there's a fear of God here. There's a fear of God that says, you know, God, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little bit, you know, I'm approaching that moment with a godly fear. But again, I'm just trying to be honest with you. It's a desirable fear. I don't know where you are, and maybe it would be helpful for me to kind of just process through a little bit where it is for me. See, I imagine heading towards that moment. And if that moment was mine today, if that moment it was mine today to stand before Jesus and to give account of my life, I am so ready for all of it to be burned away. I mean, honestly, I am. I, I, I am so glad that anything that's in me that's been prideful or selfish or ugly, 
I don't, I, don't, I don't know the motivations of why I do everything that I do, and, and I'm, I'm be glad that all of that is gone. I am not sad that that's going to be gone. And I want it. I mean, I do. I mean, there's not any, if you were to give me an alternative and say, how about you could keep it? How about you could keep the wood, hay, and stubble, and you wouldn't have to face the judgment seat of Christ? I'm like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> I want it. I absolutely want it all gone, and I want to p- please him. I, I would really like to stand there in that day and, and have, when all of it's gone, things that I can say, Jesus, this was for you, and this was by you. You did this in me. I mean, you, you, you led me, you guided me, you empowered me, you enabled me, and Jesus, thank you. Thank you for working good in my life. Thank you for that. I mean, it's not, I, I mean in the, at the end of the day, I'm not going to be the one getting the credit because I didn't do it. You know, it's like I'm only standing here because of you, and the only reason I have anything to give you is because you have done it in me. But I want that day. I want that day. I absolutely want what that looks like, and I'm excited about it. And I'm scared to death about it. You know, just to be honest, but it's, just, but it's a good fear. It's a good fear that I have, and I think you should have as well. Because it should move us in one sense. If we think about all of these things, we would be able to say, hey, I, I get it. You know, John would say it to us this way in 1 John chapter 2. He says, and now little children, abide in him. Like, hold fast to Jesus, because that's the only way you'll ever have good fruit. That when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed at his coming. Like, we don't want to be there and be like, okay, it's all gone. Like, it burned off all my, all my good works. He said, that'd be, a, that'd be a bummer. We want to be joyful. We want to be glad. We want to be pleasing to him. We long that that would be there. And so he's inviting you and I to have that as a perspective, that, that we would look upon this and say, okay, I know it. I know it's coming. I know it's coming. I, I think about these things. I know it's coming. And I just want to tell you it is. So we've said this the last couple of weeks, and so let me try to say it one more time. For something that is so certain, for something that is absolutely going to happen, it's a weird thing that for some of us we think so little about death. We think so little about what's coming, but we're going to die. All of us are going to die. Whether that's physically or Jesus raptures, we're still, we're still done and we're out. There's, there, there's not anybody here this morning that you're like, man, I'm so glad that's happened to somebody. It's not going to be money. I'm, I'm not going. You're going to die. And after that death, you're going you're gonna to give an account. That's hands down certain. That's hands down certain. And it should be something that we're just aware of. It should change the way we live our life because we, we, we know that day is coming. It shouldn't be that kind of place that it's like, I didn't, I, I mean, I knew I was going to die, but I didn't think I'd actually going to die. No, you're actually going to die. And you're going to stand before God. And if you don't know Jesus, you're going to stand before the judgment seat of God the Father. And it's going to be the most horrible moment that could ever be imagined as your life and all the bad you've done is brought to account. And you'll be judged and, and, and just sentenced to an eternity and hell. And I just want to say, we don't want that for you. We're pleading for you just rest to turn to Christ and today say, Lord, I, don't, I, I need Jesus. That'd be a good thing. But if you know Jesus, that's just not the end of the story. It's not like, okay, I'm saved. I might as well just kind of coast my way out, you know, just, you know, whatever is going to be. It's like, no, wait, I'm, I, I mean, my life is meant to have a, a bearing, and I get to stand before Jesus and give an account for whatever's good. And the aim it would be in our days is to say, God, I'd, I'd like to have some of that. I mean, that if only today we're judged, 
the goal would be like, God, I, I want to have some place that I did something good, where I loved on somebody, where I gave a cup of cold water in your name, where I prayed for somebody, where I did something good because, God, I loved you. I didn't do it for selfish ambition or conceit. I did it because I put you first and I put others first. And, and, and if I could do that, that will stand in eternity. That'll be fruit that'll last forever. Like, I want more of that. And there's a sense that we ought to be aware of that. Not that we're, again, afraid of hell. We're not meant to be. But we are to be living for eternity. And what you're doing today is going to matter. And it's going to matter in that moment when you stand before Jesus. And I don't know about you, I want to hear well done. I'm aiming for that. It means more to me than anything else. And I'm looking for it. So you can close your Bibles, your notebooks, whatever that is that you have there opened. And let's just ask him for that. You know, I think about where we just began. It is appointed unto men once to die and then the judgment. And that's for all of us. That's for all of us. May you know that. May it be that reality that draws you to this. So would you take a quiet moment? Maybe it's a moment to surrender your life to Jesus. Great day to do it. Maybe it's a moment to get refocused. Maybe in one sense you find yourself thinking that Boy, you, you've lived an aimless life. You're, you're not aiming to think, on that day I want to be pleasing to Jesus. You, you, maybe somehow even the gospel has you know, worked into your life, but instead of giving you a motivation to live, you're kind of like, well, I'm saved, so it doesn't really matter how I live. Really? It does. And you should be aiming, thinking, okay, God, let's do some of that. Let's do some of that good stuff. Let's do some of the stuff that's fruit for eternity. Let's, let's, let, let's serve you because I'd like to do something today that matters. I'd like to be about something that's going to last forever. And on that day that you would be able to look upon it and say, well done. I just want to encourage you into that pursuit that you would be able to join Paul, join me in saying, hey, we are making it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. Quietly, would you talk to him about that? I'll do the same and it'll close in worship in just a minute. Jesus, thank you so much for your life, death, and resurrection. 
Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the hope that is found there that our sin, not in part, but the whole paid for. That by one sacrifice forever, you have paid the price for that. God, for anybody who's here that doesn't know that, I'm, I'm just so deeply troubled and concerned for them. The thought of them standing in that great white throne judgment and the condemnation, the, the space where they will be convicted and sentenced into eternity and how, Lord, I, I just grieve. And I say, Lord, rescue these that don't know you. Draw them to the gospel. Draw them to the place where, 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 where in you they could find life. I pray for that. Father, trusting you with them, I just bring us before you. And I think about it right now, you have made it so abundantly clear that there's a day coming that we're going to die. And after that, we're going to stand before you. And Jesus, we're going to give an account to you. I really want on that day to be pleasing to you. I thank you that the wood, hay, and stubble is going to be burned away. In fact, I welcome it. I'm so glad for that. I step towards that with desire. I'd like it all gone. I'd like it all gone. Just anything that's not pleasing to you, anything that was of, of the flesh, anything that is just of me, I'm, I'm so glad that's going to be purged away. But I want to have something. I want to have a life that mattered, um, that looked and said, God, I served you, I loved you, I lived for you, for your honor, your pleasure. I long in that day to hear well done. God, with an expectation of that day, an anticipation of that day, and, and, and a godly fear of that day, would you help us to live our lives? Living for you, living for your honor and your pleasure, whether we live or we die, we would make it our aim to be pleasing to you. God, would you help us to be there? Rescue us. Rescue us from, from an aimless life. Give us perspective as we gaze towards eternity. We pray for that in a good and helpful and godly way. We ask for it now. Jesus, and we ask for it in your name. Amen. Amen. May God meet you in that. I hope it helps. I hope in one sense just the understanding that's there. Much we don't understand, but good to know. Hey, you have questions, come up and talk to us. Hey, you don't know Jesus, we're here. We'd love to help you be ready for these moments that are certainly coming. But right now, let's stand as we approach that day and just worship him. Would you guys close? Just stand with us as we close in song and make him our focus. And as you do that, I just want to bless you in his name. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.